Welcome to the Moose Room, everybody. Just going to give you a few things to check out. If you haven't done so already, please visit our website, extension.umn.edu. Please check us out on Facebook. We are at UMN Beef and at UMN Dairy. Those are our dairy and beef Facebook pages. Lots of good information there. We're trying to post more and more and more. So if you have a chance, throw those a like. That's all I had for you. So let's get into this episode. Welcome to the Moose Room, everybody. We are talking about heat stress today. Uh, we're not talking about estrus. We're talking about the actual temperature and how that affects cows. They're hot and bothered. When they get hot and bothered, yes. We are, you know, at the time of this recording, it's actually cooled off quite a bit, but it was crazy, crazy hot last week for a couple of days, and we've got more in the forecast. And so it always seems to catch us by surprise every year. But it happens every year. It gets hot, just like it gets cold every winter. So we we can't uh, we can't forget that it's going to happen every year. Well, and like any true Minnesotan, you know, it's not the heat; it's that gosh darn humidity. It's very true, and actually, we'll touch on that later as we get more into this subject. But the humidity does play a big part, and 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 really, where we should start is when when you need to start thinking about all this stuff, and when you need to start preparing for the heat and the, the temperature change. and I'm guessing the answer is not when it's already 90 degrees. That, that's, that's definitely true. I think we, we're all busy. Dairies especially are busy. Uh, it's hard to find that time, but really thinking about checking things and looking at what, what needs to be done uh, in that March-April time frame is really when we should start thinking about it uh, to just checking sprinkler systems, fans, making sure everything is in working order. Brad, when, I mean, do you guys have a checklist that you kind of run through on the dairy as far as checking your heat abatement strategies? No, <laughs> we don't. What? That is a surprise. Yeah, uh, no. Well, <clears throat> we're outdoors, so we, we have a different uh, mentality to heat stress, really, or try to manage it. So, yeah, we have fi- fans in the milking parlor and stuff, so we make sure those are all running and, and moving air well but for a grazing dairy heat stress is a little bit different than you know your regular tie uh, tie stall barn or freestyle barn yeah that's true and i and i i guess the there's some big concepts that still apply to both right you know one of the reasons that we put dairy cows in confinement is because now they have shade all the time uh and and that's different on a on a grazing dairy i i i Definitely, you have you have like we talked about in episode eleven. Uh, we you have solar panels that you also double as shade for the pasture. Do you guys purposely have trees in certain areas, or make sure that you make paddocks where there's always shade available? Uh, yeah, we have it on a lot of our pastures, but not everyone. You know, for grazing dairies, a lot of us use trees or that, you know, that's probably the biggest thing is trees for solar. Uh, there's yeah, many different ways you can develop solar panels. I've been on some farms where they've built their own little shade cloth for, for out in the pasture. So uh, there's ways to get a, around it in a grazing dairy, but it's probably a more difficult because even if they're under the shade, they're probably still heat stressed because their, you know, solar radiation is still on those cows. So I don't want to get way too into the weeds on this, but thinking about grazing dairies and, and Bradley, do you find that because you 
do the crossbreeding, and I do believe some of the breeds you use, one of the things they tout is they're a little more hardy and can handle a little more heat. Do you find that, or it's you know kind of a cow by cow basis, just like it is with people? Yeah, I, Emily, I think it's more of a cow by cow basis. I think yeah, we see. Uh, all kinds of our cows in heat stress, whether it's a Holstein or a crossbred, they can all be heat stressed. And even our Jersey sired crossbreds become heat stressed. So it's, it's kind of different where some cows will be heat stressed and the next one standing right next to it doesn't seem to affect her as much. So well, it, it's, it's probably very similar to people. I mean, some people just love the heat. Uh, I am not one of those people. Uh, my wife is, she's perfectly happy with it being 80, 85 degrees full sun. I'm much more comfortable when it's 60, 65 and in the shade. So I'm sure it's different just like, like that for cows. The big difference between people and cows though is, is when they start to see that, that discomfort from heat. Cows generate a lot of heat uh, just because they have this giant fermentation vat in them uh, that generates heat. And they start to experience heat stress pretty early. I mean, we're talking 72 degrees, 50% humidity. That sounds just about perfect for most people. Um, that's already right at the, the, the limit that we start to see cows actually get heat stressed and, and start feeling too hot. So that's a big, big difference. And I think that's something we need to think about. If you're comfortable in the barn, it doesn't necessarily mean that the cows are. Okay, let's talk. Let's talk humidity because it does play a, a big, big difference. You know, I mean, Emily was <laughs> that gosh darn humidity. She, she was joking about it earlier, but it's true. It really is. It does make a big difference. And what we use with cattle usually is uh, temperature humidity index, which is a measure that takes in a, into account the humidity level with the temperature and gives you kind of like uh, a score for the temp temperature humidity index that is more of a accurate for what the cows are experiencing. So that threshold is set at 68. So when the temperature humidity index gets to 68 degrees then, or 68, then that cow starts to be heat stressed and it, it goes up pretty quick from there. So if you get really high humidity, but a, a moderate temperature, you're actually looking at a cow that, that is in quite a bit of danger uh, health-wise and definitely is going to lose some production. And one of the ways we can tell that is, is counting respirations or actually taking a body temperature. Now, Brad's probably going to say something about a sensor at this point. Yeah, you, yes, there's sensors for that kind of stuff. We can, we could put in cows and measure that. Yeah. I even Draw have a sensor in. Exactly. We'll figure exactly. it all out. No, it is quite interesting. It's not perfect for trying to figure out body temperature, you know, at some point you can measure body temperature if you do it the old fashioned way with a thermometer. Uh, but that takes a long time to measure a lot of cows. We, <clears throat> here I'll give you my example of our sensor, but we have a, a bolus that we can put in. It's SmaxTech bolus and it measures the in, internal body temperature. It's a rumino reticular bolus that you can put in a cow and it measures uh, heat stress. Even was that last week, we had some major heat stress in Minnesota. It was hot, almost 100 degrees here in western Minnesota. And one cow, I looked up, she had an internal body temperature of 107 and a half. Wow. That's hot. 
she was under some massive heat stress that is hot yeah and and i guess we should point out just in case if there's someone out there that doesn't know the the normal temperature for a cow it's between 101 and a half and 102 and a half that's normal for a cow so 107 is way too hot way way too hot. yeah way too hot and today she's measuring let's see oh 103 so she's much better usually the internal body you know internal in the rumen uh reticular it's going to be a little bit you know warmer than 101 and a half but um yeah but 107 is still 107 is pretty hot and it flags those cows and you know we can spray them or or try and do some measures to to help them with heat abatement but 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 that cow is different you know uh, that was the cow that was heat stressed if you look at some of the other cows they they didn't have those temperatures that they some of them were heat stressed but you know somewhere at 102 103 but not like that she was by far the warmest yeah, I think I think what the the best way for me is counting respirations. I think that it's easier than catching every cow. It puts them uh, there's no stress associated with putting them through the chute or trying to figure out how to catch them so you can take a body temp. So for me, I like counting respirations and you can tell right away where your cows are sitting based on on how fast they're breathing. And in normal, we like to see 40 to 60 breaths per minute uh, out of a cow. Um, and I would say that, that you can even get uh, quite a bit lower than that. But if you're above 60 breaths per minute, then you start to be in true, that's, that's a mild heat stress and it just goes up from there. And if you get, if you get cows over a hundred breaths per minute, you're really getting pretty close to an emergency situation, uh, where you need to do something to cool those cows down. Cause you're going to have some serious health issues or even enough complications that you, that lead to death. So count those respirations, kind of check on it. If you know you're seeing a problem, then you need to figure out other ways you can cool your cows down, other strategies you can use, whether that's fans or sprinklers or some of the other things we'll talk about here in just a second. I have a question. Mm -hmm. So outside of the, the, you know, counting respirations, which even too, sometimes you can just physically see, right? When a cow is huffing and puffing pretty hard. Are there other physical signs that a cow is heat stressed? You know, we think of some of the other things we look for when, you know, a calf has scours or a cow is sick. Um, is there anything else like that uh, that we can look for in cows to know if they're heat stressed or not? Well, I, I mean, their physical appearance is definitely, you know, it's hard, it's hard to notice anything that's too, too noticeable besides an increase in respirations until it gets to a really severe level. For me, and when you're looking at an individual cow, it's always respirations first, body temp if you can get it. But I like respirations because you don't have to handle the cow. You can count it by looking at it. But if they're truly heat stressed, I mean, you've probably seen it on those hot days when they, they kind of get their feet spread apart and they extend their neck out and they really start to breathe um, with their mouth right, open. Right, they'll even and, have their mouth open sometimes. Yeah, like, they, be, they pant. Yeah. Pant and their tongue's hanging out. And right. There's, yeah, there's, I, there's other things they do too. Like uh, you'll see a lot more perching uh, cows that just don't want to lay down because they want all that air movement underneath them, trying to trying to cool them off. And and as you're probably aware, if you don't protect your uh, your waterer, they will stand in it uh, and and mess with it and get it all dirty. So there's there's other things, subtle things like that. But most of it is is a lack of lying time, the respirations, and then if it gets really bad, you see them pant. Well, I think we think about cows most people were thinking about older animals doing that but 
baby young calves will do that as well. You know, I noticed that the other day when it was a hundred degrees Fahrenheit here in, in Morris, we had calves that were 50, 60 days of age panting and they were just hot oh, and wow. uncomfortable. It was unbearable to watch even just calves do it. And they were indoors, not, you know, out of the shade sh or they had shade, they weren't outside and they were still just hot. It was uh, yeah, tough. Yeah. So it affects and, and everybody. Yeah, yeah. It, it can affect anybody. And, and, and I think the biggest thing to remember too, is that if for whatever reason you're, you're there and you're hot and you're uncomfortable, it's even worse for that cow or, or that calf. So you just got to keep that in mind. Anytime you're, you're in an environment and you're uncomfortable, that cow is more uncomfortable than you are. You got to figure out a way to try to put in some heat abatement strategies to lessen how severe that gets. Cause you're not going to avoid it. I mean, they're going to get hot. There's no way you can avoid it entirely. I have a question and it's, it's related and probably kind of stupid. So you can cut it out if you want. No, no, But no. do cows sweat? Uh, kind of. Yes, ki kind of. Because, yes. <laughs> you know, we're taught like, oh, pigs don't sweat. But like, I know pigs horses sweat. sweat, like after you've been riding them and they'll be all yeah. sweaty. And they'll lather up. Yeah. yeah. Um. They may sweat, but they usually, I don't think they, I don't even know if they have sweat glands. Like I'm, I'm completely blanking on my anatomy right now. Oh my now. gosh. Have I stumped the doctors? I, I think so. You have. <gasps> Ruminate on that. Exciting moment. <laughs> it's in the podcast, Joe. People need to know. Um, yes, they do have sweat glands. Oh. Does it say where they are? But they, they don't, have... so they, they have sweat glands, but they don't have very many enough to make a difference. We'll call it that. So the reason they pant is just like why a dog pants, right? So a dog doesn't have uh, sweat glands except for in its paws, on its feet, right? Uh, so they pant to get rid of that excess heat, just like a, a cow has to resort to that if they get too hot. Uh, so they have, they have sweat glands, but they, they're not, they either don't have enough or they're not active enough uh, to, to actually cool that animal down by evaporation. And that's why we have to add water to the situation to help them cool themselves. We do that with uh, sprinklers usually and soakers. And, and I think soaking is the key word because what we want is we want that animal to be not just wet on the hair, which is actually worse for the cow, right? Uh, we've created now not only an air barrier with the hair, but also a water barrier if we don't wet that animal to the skin. So we want to, we, we really want to soak them, soak them, or we want to get them wet to the skin. And then there has to be a break. Like you can't just have the water all the time because what actually cools them is that evaporation of that water, taking the heat and, uh, and evaporating and, and transferring that, that energy. You have to have a break in your sprinklers. And if you've ever been on a dairy, you, they come on and off, right? And there's, that's the reason is that they have to have an off period for it to actually work. That's tough in Minnesota because like Emily keeps saying, it's humid. Uh, and Gosh the, darn humidity. The more humid it is, the less that process works. We talk about sprinklers and all that fun stuff. I saw some cool research from the University of Wisconsin uh, and I they were... <laughs> They were showering cows in the milking parlor. You know, as they come in to milk you know, in the parlor, they would turn on and, and shower them with a, a lot of water, you know, make them just soaking wet. And then when they went out, 
saw a reduction in, in sort of heat stress. Obviously, it's very temporary. You know, it lasts a few hours, but it may help those cows a little bit. And so it's kind of cool. I have showers in our milking parlor as well. And we'll do a study on those to see what it looks like in grazing cows at some point. I, so I think just a cool little thing, you know, besides everybody thinks about sprinklers and having to soak the cows in the stalls and stuff. There's maybe other ways we can do it as well. Yeah. The, the big thing you have to be careful with, no matter where your sprinklers are, or how you're getting those cows wet is you really, there's definitely like a Goldilocks situation where not enough is, is, is bad, but too much is also bad because if you get enough water dripping down, uh, from that cow and it ends up on the udder, you just created the perfect environment for mastitis issues to to ramp up, especially when we're talking about hot, humid weather. Uh, you've created just a perfect spot for some of our coliform mastitis to, mm -hmm. to really blow up. So it's it's a tough deal, but that's why you need to make sure things are working properly so early to make sure everything is is dialed in the way you want it to be. Yeah, and I would add on that maintenance piece for it too is is checking that they're aligned the right way and, and dripping or, or sprinkling where you want them to because I have been on farms and seen where, you know, cows will lick them because there's water coming out and then they'll get them turned or moved around and then they're dumping water into the feed or, you know, getting it somewhere it's not supposed to be. So I think that that's one of those really minor details, but also something you need to be aware of because it's not just getting the water there, but getting it on the right part of the cows. That's a good point. Good point. Yeah, because it, it definitely can soak the feed bunk pretty quick if it's not pointed the right way. Especially if you have jerseys, you're oh, really yeah. in trouble. Yeah, Check it every day. <laughs> that's, that's probably a good point. At least walk it once a day to make sure they haven't screwed something up by licking everything. Um, one of the ways you can you can kind of help that sprinkler system to work is by having air velocity on the cows. If you think about it, uh, if you don't have central AC, the first thing you do is get a fan, right? You're trying to, you're just trying to get some air movement to cool yourself down. And it's no different for cows. They, we like to see a uh, pretty good air velocity at cow level to try to help with the evaporation, but also to cool physically cool that cow uh, by having some, some wind move past her it's really, really effective if you can keep the air velocity at cow level. And I keep saying at cow level because uh, you can move air around in the barn, but if it's not pointed at the cows, it doesn't really matter all that much for, for that piece. And we like to see, I mean, I, I tend to like to see seven to eight mile per hour winds at the cow level, not only because it helps her cool very effectively, but that's the wind speed we need to also keep the flies off the cows. So I like to see that wind speed and then don't forget that all this still applies to the holding pen, which Brad kind of mentioned that he has fans and things in the parlor and the holding pen. And, and that's really critical. Uh, you think about how bunched up those cows are. Usually they're in a tight space uh, and they get heat stress very quickly and they can be there for quite a long time, depending on how fast you milk. Right, Brad? That's right. That's right. It might take a lot longer to milk than what it should. <laughs> Yeah. What? So yes, that doesn't happen. You have to be aware of that and just make sure that uh, that you're you're accounting for it in that in that tight space. And and I'm sure you guys have seen it all the time. Those those holding pens and parlors are sometimes retrofitted from older buildings, and they can get real tight. You got to be pretty creative for 
how you get fans in that space with and keep them out of the reach of Jersey tongues and everything else that are going after them. So, yeah, I'd say, especially when you're in um, a retrofitted tie style barn, just with how low those ceilings are. Um, I've seen a lot of creative fixes uh, that people have done to, to make sure that there's air getting over the cows and, and being moved across them as well. So that's an important part too. And I also want to add, Joanne, you know, you talked about getting the fans at cow level. And I have been on farms where not, you know, to no one's fault, but it seems like some fans are maybe placed with the idea that it's more for human comfort. Or I've seen like in parlors or something, milkers will move fans if they're able to move them. Or they'll do these different things. And so I think it's also a good management practice to to also when you're thinking about fans for your cows, think about them for the people working as well, especially milkers, I would say, because parlors get hot. We're drifting more into HR territory here, I guess. But that's something just because I've seen cows missing out on getting the airflow they need because people are moving the fans for themselves. You, you can't forget that. We're trying to make the cows as comfortable as we can, but your employees also need to be able to work in comfort if at all possible. And if you can plan for that, you know, like Emily said, you can maybe uh, prevent some of those situations where there's competition for that, that comfort. What oh. about drinking water? Yeah. Water. Uh, continuing with water, I guess we got to figure out, you know, cows drink a ton of water. Uh, it, it's, it's a massive amount and it, it goes up pretty much linearly as it gets hotter. I mean, if a cow is milking 80 to 100 pounds a day, she's drinking 25 to 35 gallons of water per day uh, if it's 85, 90 degrees for the environment temp. And that, I mean, that's a lot of water. And uh, they drink it all right after milking for the most part. Brad, you probably see that on the dairy. Uh, They come out of the parlor and they go immediately to the water and the feed and kind of back and forth. They do. One thing I've always thought of, and I've heard other people have asked me about, does it matter the temperature of the water? Like, you know, when we're, when we're out on pasture, and if it's 100 degrees out and the sun's beating down, you know, a lot of people have waters on pasture. I'm fairly certain that water is probably 100 degrees as well, or close to it, if not hotter. So hmm, Bath water. Exactly. Refreshing. <laughs> you know. What, what about cool water? Is it cool water better or will they drink warm water or I don't know. That's, I, I get that question a lot. Yeah, I, I think. And I don't have a good answer. I think the important piece is water, just availability. How much is there? Can, do you, does it, do you have enough space so everyone can drink? Do you have a good enough refill rate that, that a cow uh, can't drain it so easily that there's just not water there available for, for long enough? I would think the temperature would would matter. Um, I would say cleanliness over temperature. Yeah, I, I would put temperature, temperature still is important. Yeah, no, you're you're spot on, Em. I I think there's a hierarchy to it. Uh, it has to be available first. There has to be enough of it, uh, and then it should be clean. And then temperature is is pretty far down the list, I would guess. Um, in the winter, though, I mean, it's the same way. I, I'm sure they don't like cold water in the winter. They prefer to drink hot water. I just don't know how practical right. it is to run <laughs> heated water. Heater, heater. Well, we run space heaters. Why not? 
That's <laughs> probably everyone cost gets a the thermos. Same. That's right. <laughs> thermos, a thirty-five gallon thermos. That's it. Like thermos pails. Oh man! Million dollar idea. Emily's gonna quit the podcast now. She's gonna. She's got her idea. Yup. <laughs> yeah, I oh. mean that the water is important. Uh, not only the cool the cows on the outside, but they got to drink it or, or they, they lose all ability to regulate their own body temp. So what uh, about the issues? What are we supposed to watch for? If we're trying to cool cows, obviously it's not going to be perfect, right? No. So, so and with that, I would ask like, what do you think are the most common mistakes people make? Well, I think the biggest mistake is kind of what we talked about already. People just don't prepare ahead of time. So you end up at, it's 95 degrees and your sprinklers aren't working because uh, we didn't, we didn't check them ahead of time. Uh, same thing with fans, you know, fans lose a lot, a lot of capacity, the dirtier they get. I mean, they can work at half capacity if they're dirty. Uh, so just kind of common maintenance things I think are the biggest problems to watch out for. Uh, and then like we, we kind of touched about it, you know, making sure the, the airflow is at cow level. Um, there's a lot of times, and I, I see this a lot in tie stall stanchion barns where you're looking at, at good airflow in the alley and it feels good for the people being in there. But it, if you step into the stall where the cows are, it, it's hot. It's miserable. Hot. Yeah. yeah. So you got to be, you got to make sure that you're standing and kneeling or sitting or trying to figure out where the cow would be and make sure the air is there also. And if it's not, then it's time to make some changes or call in an expert um, to, to look at how to fix that. It, sometimes it's as simple as tilting those fans down so that they, they actually point down at the cows and they're not just mixing air up above the cows. That That's probably the big, the big ones, you know, trying to make sure now with sprinklers, it's, it's all about pressure and the right nozzles. And like you said, checking them to make sure the jerseys haven't spun them around or broke anything. I also think that fan selection is where people can sometimes go wrong or they, you know, you need to think really critically about that. I've seen this in a calf farm, but they had variable speed things. They didn't have them set right. And so, you know, all the calves were getting sick and because they weren't running at the right temperatures and speeds. And so things like that, or just being mindful of what is the ventilation system in your barn already? Are you cross vent? Are you tunnel vent? Are you natural vent? And then, are you getting fans that support that plan or are you putting in fans that are in mm -hmm. conflict with that? Um, I think sometimes we get so caught up in you know, as much airflow as possible. And then what we're basically doing is just creating stale air because it's being pushed so much. It's just there and can't, uh, you know, be moved across the cows in the right way, or you have a lot of exhaust and not enough inlets or vice versa. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge, huge issue. And what we're really getting at is uh, air exchanges. So in the summer, we just basically want as many air exchanges as we can of the air that's in the barn to out the barn and then bringing in fresh air. And really, we want to see that happen at least 60 times an hour where all the air in the barn is leaves and is replaced by new air. Uh, and that's a huge way to keep the environment cool it is difficult though if you pick the wrong fans or you're you 
you know, it can be very simple and I've seen it uh, a lot where you have a tunnel vented system, but your circulation fans are working against the tunnel vent. So now you've changed, you know, you, you just put the fans mm -hmm. facing the wrong direction or you have fans uh, trying to blow against prevailing winds, which isn't very, you know, efficient either. So yeah, it, it can be pretty complex. Um, but, but there's a lot of people out there that can help um, the engineering department here at the University of Minnesota with extension can definitely help. So, you know, if you need to call Kevin Yanni or, or Aaron Cordes, I'm sure they can, they're willing to help if this is something you're concerned about. But it can be fairly complex uh, trying to get those air exchanges right and get the, the air moving the right way. I've got cool videos when I'm with my buddy and we, we smoke, smoke barns with an insect fogger and you fill it up with mineral oil. And then just, just to, so you can see where the air goes and, uh, it doesn't, doesn't go where you think it goes a, a lot of the time. And like, it can point out some problems if that, if that's something that you think is wrong. Something that our colleague Jim Sulfur told me that I've never forgotten. And a lot of people say it, right. Is that air is lazy. So it's going to follow the path of least resistance. So like you said, Joe, when you are putting in fans that are counteracting what the ventilation setup of your barn is, right? You're not creating a path of least resistance for this air. And so that's where the exchange rate is gonna go down. And, you know, I also think people need to think about their barns. Do they have an open ridge? Or are they using mixing fans? Or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in baffles, personally. Uh, you know, all these different things that you can do. Joe, Joe has this look on his face. <laughs> about the baffles comment. Yeah. I don't even know if I want to know, but. Uh, baffles in a crossman barn, baffles can be helpful, but they can also cause a lot of issues. Uh, it's just like the rest of this. I guess I don't have a th anything against baffles. They just need to be set up correctly or they're actually counterproductive. Does that make sense? I, I guess that's my problem with baffles. I see a lot of them installed incorrectly and in the wrong spot and they're actually hurting rather than that's helping. right they, they can they can hinder a lot of air movement if they are installed incorrectly all right i think we've given everybody enough to think about as far as heat abatement strategies and what you need to be looking for really it's about getting the proper air exchange for ventilation moving air around the cows at the correct level in a way that doesn't counteract your overall ventilation strategy potentially adding some kind of cooling with water, which doesn't necessarily, like Brad was talking about, doesn't necessarily need to be sprinklers over uh, the feed feed alley. It can be in the parlor, and there's other strategies that are that we're experimenting with, and, and providing enough drinking water. That is huge. That is huge. It doesn't take long to go out in the pen. Make sure you feel air in the right spot that it's blowing at the correct uh, at the correct angle. Make sure the cows are comfortable. Just keep in mind that if you're uncomfortable, the cows are uncomfortable for sure. We have an article that is specific to this topic called Preventing Heat Stress in Dairy Cattle that Kevin Yanni and I put together. Uh, you can find that at extension.umn.edu. If you have comments, questions, scathing rebuttals, hate mail, please send them to themoosroom at umn.edu. That's T-H-E-M-O-O-S-R-O-O-M at umn.edu. Thanks, Em. We will catch everybody on the next episode. Thank you for listening. It's not the heat. It's that gosh darn humidity. That gosh darn humidity. That gosh darn humidity. Welcome, Joe. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>